Hello, welcome to Smashing Grab. We've got Gaz Keelan, Sam Campbell and Harry Whittingham here. Um, we're going to go straight in and talk about Derby County, lads, um, with the situation that's going on there. Who wants to, who wants to kick us off? Well, I think um, oh, oh, we both went. Oh, we both wow. went. There you go. That's how bad yeah. it is. That's how bad it is. We've both got <laughs> things to say. Um, yeah. I just wanted to point out, first of all, we've had to get two Derby fans on tonight because it is truly an emotional moment that I couldn't, I can't talk about it by, by myself. So, go on with say, <laughs> What are your thoughts? It's nice for us to separate our differences, actually, Gaz, on a different note and join the podcast together after a few Absolutely. podcasts together. Absolutely. Um, no, look, to be honest with you, I think. You know, we all have banter about football, don't we? And like, that's the whole, pro- you know, a lot of the point of this podcast. But ultimately, I think what's happening with Derby is, is very sad. And um, I think the first thing you've got to say really is that you've got a lot of hardworking people in the club, you know, whether it be people in the marketing department, whether it be people working at the ticket office, a steward who are ultimately going to lose their job and they've done nothing wrong to deserve this. Um, and I think that's who my thoughts go out to initially because... Ultimately, there, there's a lot of going to be a lot of redundancies. Um, I think in terms of my thoughts on on how we've got there, I think you have to go back a few years, don't you? I think, Mel, I don't know if you guys have listened to Mel Morris's um, interview yet of Radio Derby, but also the statement that he put out. I think there was a lot of blame on the external environment, a lot of mention of COVID, but actually, ultimately, our cost base has tripled, hasn't it? Um, our wage wage budget since he joined and he took effectively he's taken a gamble um it hasn't paid off and then you know the chance at the first chance of him to leave he's he's kind of gone and for me he's wealthy enough to to keep this club running um you know I heard actually that he's bought a couple of companies this week so on that basis he's clearly not broke is he so um in my opinion I think it's reckless behavior with something that means so much to the local community and I think uh, let's see what happens now. Um, but I've just you've got to hope for the best for you as a fan. There's not much you can do, I guess. No, I completely agree with you. I think it's, it's it. It all depends which way you look at it. I mean, there's so many different angles that, that, that you can look at it, which is just going to create so many different opinions on it as well. Which I think is why you look on social media. People have got one opinion here, one opinion there, and they're all completely completely different. I mean. At the end of the day, it's still a business, and businesses do go bankrupt. Look at look at Topshop, like that's streamlining to just clear online um, into an online shop now, and everyone working there pretty much went redundant. And I think that is, you know, it's the risk of working in any business, unfortunately. And, and I'm not saying that as in like I don't feel for everyone that works there because I do, because even coaches from academies probably aren't going to get funded now either. Like just so many things is going to mess with, 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 with the club and it's going to hit it from top to bottom and that is shit. And like you said, it's, any football club is huge in the community. It's a massive part to it and, you know, Derby's ground and everything. Like, it's shit, but I think Mel Morris wants to sell the club and he's tried to find the best route for him to sell it, for him to sell it, not what state the club goes in. Because ultimately, if we go into administration... Um, the fines are going to get dealt with through, through the administrators. The club, um, they're going to try and sell all the biggest assets to be able to cover these costs, um, whether that's players or anything else within the club. And ultimately, the club's value is going to decline massively where if a buyer is, does want to buy the club, that's going to be the opportunity when the administration has been, been processed. That's my that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, I think um, there's definitely more to, than what, what meets the eye in terms yeah. of why it was done, when it was done. Yeah. But all I'd say is that for for people buying before you go into administration, um, they're buying to for, for the best interests of the club, to try and improve the club. Administrators' sole purpose is to, to pay back creditors and like yeah, yeah. they ultimately don't give a shit if there's a Derby County at the end of it the reason they've been employed is to pay back the people that save money which is fair enough but at the same time it's not great news for Derby County because if you think about Wigan you know they when they went into administration they were in a transfer window weren't they They were approaching the summer transfer window they were able to sell all of their assets you know we benefited off Nathan Byrne and David Marshall 
but um, we're not even in a transfer window. So I read today that players might be able to accept free contractual agreements for January. So we might end up selling a load of players in the next few weeks. But it's just difficult. And it's not even like we've got the stadium um, as an asset to sell because that's already been sold to Mel. And um, apparently the stadium isn't an administration. So that's not like an asset owned by the club anymore, is my understanding. It's all, it all gets a bit confusing. I can't say that I completely get it. But um, it's, a, it's a dire situation. I know the, the Athletic reported this morning that um, some guys who are you know, very, very clued up in this think it's 50-50, whether we'll exist at the end of it. Um, which is scary um, to think. So. Thing is, though, yeah. any club that goes yeah. in, that goes into uh, any club that goes into administration is always going to be that gamble that they're not going to exist at the end of it. Because that's one of the reasons to going into administration. So, although the odds are shit, like every club has that risk going into it. Like our training ground is massive, and millions have, has been pummeled into it. But as far as I'm aware, we don't even own it. No, I don't think so. But yeah, and, and, it's, and if you think about like the whole strategy of the club, okay, so we've had, we spent, you know, you, you could, have, you could, we could sit here for three hours and talk about where it went wrong. But ultimately, the one thing we probably did get right is we invested an awful lot of money into the academy um, and we've brought through some good, we have brought through some good players. So I'm probably thinking, so I'm Johnny probably thinking, go on, name them. And don't, don't question me because I'm not even sure I can remember We'll give you able to give you a good list, but we have got a good academy. Um, you know, you only have to look at Kate Gordon. Gordon tonight, sixteen years old, and he's starting for Liverpool. Um, he was another one we sold for nothing last year to try and just uh, bang roll, bang roll it for an extra couple of months. So yeah, it's, it's it's sad, and I think um, I think ultimately you look back at the, probably the Gary Row at Frank Lampard years. They were probably the ones that did it in the sense that we spent a lot of money on players that were aging last contract sort of stuff at the time it seemed great in terms of okay brilliant we signed the Brad we signed Bradley Johnson we've signed you know at the time Nick Blackman who was like top goal scorer in the league couldn't stop scoring um Jason Shackles would have been on big money Curtis Davies would have been in big money um you know you could literally go through it couldn't you and, and ultimately took a gamble it didn't pay off and and here we are in this situation so what I'm interested what it's like from um, an external perspective looking in boys obviously me and Gaza emotionally attached to this um, what are your thoughts Johnny and Sam I mean, yeah, I, got, I, got, I, mean I was just I was reading um, an article from an interview with, with Mel Morris and he puts a lot of it down to Covid um, uh, well he, he put it down to two things he put it down to Covid and, and ambition in his words it was ambition um, and he said you know he was inexperienced and, you know, he might have gone through it too much. And, you know, if he, he looks back on it, he does regret a lot of what he did. Um, that, that came like 55 minutes into the interview, by the way. Do you know what I mean? Out of an hour long interview, it took him a while to actually say that he'd made errors. It, at first, it was all about everything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was reading the article. It is a lot. He's, he's blaming everything else apart from apart from himself. But then he does kind of get probed by the interviewer um, you know, say is any of it part of your part of your fault? Um, and he does blame COVID, but then he also says that uh, you breached financial fair play in 2017-18 by four million pounds, and that in itself would have been a, a four point deduction. So that's without that's without COVID. So you know he was already losing a lot of money. He was already spending over the regulations. So I don't know how he can blame COVID that much. I think. Without COVID, you might have got away with just some points deductions and and not administration. So I can sort of get that. But I mean, you can't be running a club like that, spending way over what you should be doing, and and just gambling that you get in the Premier League. We've seen it with, but, with yeah, club. and this is it. But then, I mean, I don't want to steal Sam's thunder because I know Sam, you've done a bit of reading to say, but. I think one of the stats that Mel Morris gave was that out of every single club that's been promoted in the last like. I think he said 10 years or something or maybe less than like eight years or something only two of them have not broken ffp on the year they've gone yeah, up yeah and it's yeah. like well and then this is what and i and I, I can't speak any near, near as convincing as what gary lineker does but he's sorry, gary, gary neville but um the, he's right in the sense that the football pyramid is broken you can't have a championship season where this year you've seen that so reading have been deducted nine points other today we're going to book deducted you know, who knows, 20, 20 plus points, you're probably going to get other teams that are on the brink 
So the, the actual who goes down this year is going to be off the pitch. Like, yeah. who, yeah. what football fan wants that? Like, and I know yeah. we've obviously pushed it. We have only ourselves to blame, but ultimately it's not the fans' fault and it's not like, and that's ultimately what this is. It's a fan sport, isn't it? And it's not their fault that we decided to spend big, you know, uh, on and make bad business decisions. Um, I just think there needs to be more regulation, more yeah, yeah. responsibility on the owners. Um, I don't think you can play with an asset that means so much to a community and then run at the sign of adversity. Yeah, I think there were certain points that I agreed with him. You know, he was, he was talking about TV deals and how, you know, you can have the two smallest clubs in the Premier League playing against each other. And then you've got the two biggest clubs in the champ playing against each other. And the championship will will net about a 20th of what the Premier League gets. And then yeah, you've got the clubs that are, that are working off parachute payments still. I think he said there was about eight clubs still working off parachute payments and, and how unfair that is, which I, I do agree with. But then the, the book kind of lies with him, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah the thing exactly. is, you've got to stay in your lane knowing what you and your club can and can't do. You know, every season, you know, the Premier League, like, yeah, they everyone wants to be like Man City, but they all know they can't, so they don't. As much as we, Derby, want to get promoted and they want to spend money, they should have learned in the first two or three years when we weren't sending players that we signed on big that we can't keep doing it. Because everyone that we signed over three million pounds goes on a free. Yeah. And we're just not making any 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 money back at all. So the model was just completely off. As much as he was... Like Mel Morris wanted to say, like he wanted to balance it between experience and bringing in the youth. I didn't agree with that, that at all. There was too many big names coming in, too many uh, high contracts coming in. And like I said, after two years, when the first couple of contracts were up, they either had that guaranteed one-year extension or they just left on a free. And it's... Mm. And, yeah, it sums it up, really, doesn't it? But... Um... Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting, not interesting, painful, but interesting couple of weeks, I guess, just seeing what plays out. And we've just got to hope and pray that um, that we have some sort of club support at the end of it, even if it, if it's a League One club, obviously that's that's better, or a League Two club even, that's better than it being a, a Conference North times three club. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, yeah, yeah. Before we get into what you think is going to happen, I'd be interested to know what, what Sam thinks of it. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I think from my perspective, there's a lot of different thoughts that I've got. I, I, can, I feel for Derby in a lot of ways because I can draw a lot of parallels to what happened with Sunderland um, in the way that we plummeted down the leagues, couldn't get rid of the high players on big wages. So I think we were about a month away from going into administration. Um, so I can completely relate to you from that sort of sense. And it's an absolute shit situation to be in. And I don't think you will go into administration because uh, into um, like complete free fall down the leagues. Because, Bombshell, that would have been Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, because of one thing, which I'll touch upon in a bit. But I just think ultimately, and I, I spoke to Harry earlier, um, I just think you, you went for it. And you're probably one of the only clubs in the championship that's gone for it and hasn't managed to get a promotion. You look at the likes of QPR, you look at the likes of Aston Villa, who have pumped millions and millions of money in on big wages, big players, and they've both hit the jackpot and got to the promised land of the Premier League. Whereas Derby, I mean, I've got a list of some of the players that you signed. Um, Go on, this should be fun. In 2000, well, I'm not even being funny. If you look at the calibre of player that you signed in 2014-15 and then compare it to 2015-16, I mean, Gaz probably wouldn't have heard of any of these players from 14-15. So you had um, Ivan Calero, Cyrus Christie, Alefe Santos, Zach Whitbread, Alban Bunjaku, Jonathan Mitchell... (laughs) Ben Davies, um, Ryan Shotton, Tom Coblenz, George Thorne, Ryan Shotton, Stephen Warnock, and then you compare it to the 15-16 season. Here we go. Andy Vyman for nearly three mil, 
Chris Baird, big wages. Scott Carson, undisclosed, big wages. Alex Pierce, Darren Bent, free, big wages. Jason Shackle, three mil, big wages. Jacob Butterfield, five mil, big wages. Bradley Johnson, six mil, big wages. Tom Ince, 4.75 mil, big wages. Abdul Kamara, 1.25 mil. <laughs> Nick Blackman, two and a half mil. Luke Thomas, 100,000. Marcus uh, Olsen, a mil. That season, you spent 14 million. Uh, no, more than that. Yeah, more you than spent that. 26 million, and you sold Simon Dawkins for an undisclosed fee. The so MLS. realistically, you're looking at 250,000 if you're lucky. So there's mm. minus 26 mil straight away. And I think the what season was that, Sam? 14, 15? 15, 16. I don't even think we failed FFP that year, but I mean, it's no, mad. That's which what is mental, but for me, I think the writing's been on the wall for a few years. Like, we always have a joke that Mel Morris has got the EFL on strings and stuff, but oh, I can confirm he certainly hasn't anymore. It's, it's just, <laughs> It's just completely caught up with him. Um, mm. And I think that what you were saying with her about the the whole um, investing money into the academy has massively helped you out. And I think if you hadn't have invested money into the academy and brought through youngsters, even if they are from Ireland, like Jeff Hendrick, for 10.5 mil, you sold him. He probably <laughs> kept Derby County afloat, if you look at it from a business perspective. And yeah, we, actually sold, we actually sold a lot of players on decent money. You know, you, you've got to remember we got... 10 million Tom Ince. We got um, good money for Vidra, didn't we? 10 million yeah, for Vidra. You got, you got 8 mil for Tom Ince, 8 mil for Will Hughes from your academy, which is great. Um, Jeff Hendrick, 10.5. Matic Vidra, 11 mil. Um, and then apart from that, you've got like the 29. It's just a mm. lot. Olsen released, Ashley Cole released, David Nugent free. Bradley Johnson free, Nick Blackman free, Craig Bryson free, Alex Pierce free. You just weren't getting, and then you bought Bielik for ten mil. So like I know, that, well, that was crazy, and that was I think what's really sorted us out is the Lampard era actually because we had a unstable no. cost base anyway. Um, Gary Routwood, you've got to remember the reason he left Derby was because he told he had no money to spend. But then I think with the whole club, including Mel, obviously got caught up in the Frank Lampard impact in terms of let's back him, let's see what he can do. Uh, obviously, Bielik was actually cocky, but you got to remember Lampard had Mason Mount, Tamori, yeah, Harry yeah. Wilson on massive, um, probably massive money. And then he he, he, buy, he he did buy, which goes into the radar, a lot of, a lot of poor players. Josephson, Scott Malone, um, players that we signed not for cheap, but actually um, have ended up costing us big time. So, yeah, I think... Um, Josephson was a yeah. Yeah, Sam's in the Josviak hate club. Just just based um, off stats, Gary, um, Josviak, 50 games, one goal, two assists. Josephu, <laughs> 41 games, two goals, two assists. And you slate one and love the other. Don't you understand. Love, 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 no one loves Josephu. Say that again, Campbell. Josephu, 41 yeah. games, two goals, two assists. Josviak, 50 games, one goal, Two assists. Uh, one is sure. hated, one is loved. But I know, to be fair, I think Josviak has become a bit of a scapegoat for the Rams now, so he's not loved, he's, he's not loved by many at the moment. You know, I, I, can I just say that I want to make a couple more points on, and it's related. So, number one is I actually can't say a bad word about any of these players this, this year. Um, oh, we look like a team. Um, we're like, we're hard to beat compared to what we were. I know we got turned over by Birmingham. That's always good. You know, it's always going to happen occasionally, isn't it? They were just physical and big and three balls in our box. But ultimately, we've got Jagielka and Curtis Davies who are, you know, certainly in their last year of football, you'd think. And they're, they're you know, like, I, I just... I look at the team now and it's just like, it makes me frustrated that we could have built a team like this on a low cost base, massively low cost base and been competitive and been sustainable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, mate, it's, it's crazy. Like, I'm seeing now from this season, if I can, like, bring it back, back to, like, how our recruitment has changed from... Because we were sort of similar how we used to always try and get, like, big names in for the division that we were in and pay them loads and I don't think it's about that it's about trying to find players that 
are hungry and actually want to play for you. Even if they're not, yeah. 21 years old, 19, we've got mm. a 17-year-old. They've got stuff to prove and they've still got a career ahead of them. Exactly, the yeah. Give, the fans always give youngsters more of, more forgiveness than a 30-year-old striker, for example. You're always mm. going to get a bit more leeway if you're a 19-year-old kid all, all the time. And I just think that Mel's probably just been caught up in the nostalgia of it all. Imagine owning, right, the club that you support as a boy. Imagine having that money to own Derby. You would get, like, you would get lost in it. You would want mm. the best for it. He's obviously tried to get you into the Premier League and he's gone beyond his means to try and do that. But ultimately, it's backfired on him massively now because you haven't, you haven't achieved it and you've just put yourself in an absolute hole of debt. But yeah. I think the one thing that is saving you from going to the Conference North or whatever is actually something interesting because it was happened to our club as well, which is the MSD uh, loan against you so what yeah. you've got to think the msd who was the dell investors ownership that put the 10 mil loan against your club they aren't going to want to lose money these men aren't stupid they're incredibly smart businessmen they will not want derby to go into li- complete liquidation or go down the leagues they will want their money back at, at the very least so yeah. i think that in one sense that is sort of a blessing in disguise that I know you've still got to pay the loan back. However, having them involved could actually be beneficial for you in the in the short term. Yeah, I think there's a potential that they. I mean, you would ask the question if because I was what I was going to say was you'd think there's potential for them to actually end up buying us because they've got so much investment in the club already. But what you probably think is if they were going to buy us, they probably would have bought us by now. Um, I, think, I think they're loan sharks, to be honest with you, because they've dipped in. Sunderland, Southampton, Derby, and I can't remember who else. I'm sure there's another. Yeah, it's like, it's another, there's another club in there. Um, I, I don't think it. they're interested really in, in looking. I, read, I, did, I did read an article the other day that said that they're looking, they've invested a lot of money in different English clubs and they're looking for a club to buy permanently and to have as a base in England. So I don't know, I don't know how true that is, but um, I mean, I hope there's, there's, there is, you know, although. We're in difficult times at the moment and not a lot of people have got that amount of money to buy us. There's going to be people with 60 million quid out there who or companies that can afford to do it and see potentially past the current situation and see, you know what, we've got a good fan base, we're a historic club, we yeah. have clearly got potential. Like, you just need some way to Mate, for sure. <laughs> like, what you've got to think is, like, there's people out there that have billions of pounds which are looking to just do something with it as a hobby. Like we, the reason why we didn't go into administration and although he sort of ran us into the ground by not wanting to invest in the squad when we're in the championship, which ultimately cost us like our position there, Ellis Short, the best thing that he did when he left was he wrote off all the debt. We were in 40 mil debt. He wrote it off before That's he class. left, That's which class. is just an unbelievable gesture. Like, and... Uh, you can't like as a Sunderland fan. You can't thank him enough for doing that. Otherwise, we would be in a situation where I don't think we would be anywhere near League One, or maybe not even a club. Which is yeah, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah, the um, I didn't. I know you got the you got. You want to discuss this? Not a Derby County podcast, but the only other thing I was going to say was yes, I think that that Mel has self to blame. No, I don't necessarily think that it's fair, obviously, that everyone gets dragged down with it, but that's the situation we're in. But I will not, and I, you know, last time I came on this podcast, I was quite vocal about the EFL and how they've treated Derby. I I don't believe, even though we've spent big and, and like, we, you know, we've, you could arguably say we deserve what we get, I still don't think that organisation is fit for purpose. And um, Mel did highlight some of the... Um, some of the ways that they've been treating Derby versus other clubs. And ultimately, if we get a 20, if we get a 25 point deduction and potentially we go out of business, they'll be high-fiving each other at the Christmas party this year, patting each other on the back saying, what, look what a great job we've done. Like, what, what's going I, on? I, I, don't, I don't think they will. I think it's more, I think in the words of John Fury, it's personal between me and you. That's how it feels between the EFL and Derby. Big stiff idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they're just trying to one-up each other. But I don't ulti- ultimately, I don't think 
the if the EFL have learned anything from what happened with Berry, they would not want Derby to go into liquidation because not only does it look bad, it looks bad as on them as an organisation, but I think they will give you the biggest punishment that they can possibly do without having to go to tribunals and appeal committees all the time. I think that Mel has played them for so long and he has found so many different loopholes mm. to like get you like prolong this situation that I now think the F, uh, the EFL have just thought, you know what, we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at them as much as we can get, as much as we can possibly punish them without putting them into business, uh, putting them out of business. I think that's what the EFL will try and do. You know, yeah, I had it even worse. Like Mel just trying to to do everything he can to fight against the EFL, and yeah, this, and, this all started. They weren't going to lose. This, this all started, and Johnny, you remember this because we like lived in London together at the time. This all started when basically Mel Morris, being the smart individual that he is, looked at his current TV deal in the Championship and said, "We can do this better." and we can make more money ourselves than yeah. we can than the EFL do. So he created an incredible setup on Rams TV. You've probably already always, yeah. you probably all at some point watched a game of me. They yeah. sit in a studio, it's like literally Sky Sports. It's, it's I can remember watching it for the first time thinking, this is ridiculous. He yeah. must have spent a fortune on it. Yeah, he did. But then like they, they must have been looking at that and saying, this guy's taking the piss big time. Yeah, um, oh, 100%. But, it, but, it's, but it's gone from there and I think... The thing that still frustrates me is that the first appeal we got let, let off from the stadium, which we've still been let off on and we've never been charged on, that's done. And the amortisation policy we've actually now been subsequently charged for, we had accountants on that first, um, expert accountants who said we'd done absolutely nothing wrong and we basically got a slap on the wrist. Second, So the EFL appeal it, second time round, there's lawyers on there, there's not accountants and we get found guilty. How can, how can that be right, logically, that you go against the professional in the industry? Yeah, it's like me saying, it's like me appealing something and then being like, guys, can you just come to the second appeal for me, mate? And just say, yeah, like, all right, mate, you're in the right on this one. Are we, are we still talking about the accounts and stuff being declared in that, yeah? Yeah, the, the, the way that we, um, the way that we okay. like, write down players' costs. Okay, so if I said to you, Harry, can you fill this sheet in, please? And you, can you fill it in in blue pen? And you did it in black. It's not going to be accepted, is it? So not quite as black and white as that, though. No, no, no. Yeah, of course. If the if you're being asked to do it in a certain way, why would you then even take the risk of doing it? Another yeah, way? no, I agree that we we were silly yeah. to take the risk, but I think um, ultimately what we did was not was actually okay as a for over the last 10 years to prove that worth and the cost over the years was reliable that that point of value was reliable those 10 years worth of evidence but i guess all of this stuff is declared your account yet though well and then because we because back off the fl Clearly, because we're about to go into because Wayne, Wayne really still on the fucking bill on 250k a week or something. Yeah, well, but that that <laughs> season's not coming yeah. by yet. The problem <laughs> is it, accommodation, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I should have said earlier in the podcast. To be fair, he's another one that my God, he's got up my estimations massively. Yeah, the way that he talks, carries himself, like how much he cares about the club. Um, he may well be one of the first to go based on his salary, which would be such a shame for the club. But I just hope that if he's willing to stay, the fans will absolutely love him. To I don't think for us through this period. I don't think he'll go. I think he's he is genuinely in it for the long haul. And the way he's been speaking, like having interviews and stuff, talking about you know he's going to do everything he can to to help those that are going to lose their jobs and stuff. I do feel like he is going to try and look after them a little bit. Um and and really stick stick around because you know I remember seeing like a few a few team talks from from preseason you know when he gave Tom Lawrence the captaincy and stuff like that and you're thinking I was like a clip from the office that was wasn't it, it was like a clip from the office <laughs> you, think, you know he's, he's you know he's he's just got no motivation about him um but then suddenly you know the season starts and he just seems like a bit of a a different different character to be honest you know I he's think very into the role for sure. Definitely, yeah, definitely, and um, 
like even Mel Mel came out and said, you know, he basically got the job because there was no one else that wanted it. But um, <laughs> he's he's doing the job and he's getting the team playing because I think a lot of us had had written written him off. But yeah, fair fair play to him. Yeah, I think the it's not just about hundred percent on what what we're all saying, like the way he's carrying himself, the way the teams come together. Um, but the performances on the pitch is just so much better than last year as well. Like so much more. Don't get me wrong. When, like I've said this before, we're not world beaters and stuff. But there's just the signs of positivity, signs of uh, a plan. Like game. I said multiple times last season. There's just no plan. There's just no. Inter- we don't know what's going on. But where this season, you know, we see a plan. We see organisation. We see. Um, attacking sequences which we've not seen for well over a year now so it, look, it, it is good and it's shit that it's had to happen under these circumstances I know the irony is if we were to keep this group of players together and like the way that we're playing at the moment so, and, okay don't get me wrong we've got a thin squad and a couple of injuries a couple of more injuries would absolutely destroy it but if we were to keep this squad together for a few months I reckon we pick up some results even if we get it's the character in this team if we get to 25 points we'll still take points off people this year I'm sure of it um, they and another that's another person who spoke incredibly well, by the way. If you boys get a chance to listen, it's Curtis Davies, he's a manager in the making. It's a shame he's going into broadcasting because, um, he's he's been brilliant as well. Um, it could certainly speak a little bit better than uh, Tom Lawrence as a dark esteemed captain, but um, yeah, so um, I don't think uh, I Tom Lawrence doing one interview yet. It's all been Curtis Davies, <laughs> yeah, I know, um, but. Look, I don't want to obviously cut it short, but I know that um, it'd be disingenuous not to talk about Bradford and Sunderland, wouldn't it? So, Sam, you're, you're flying, mate, aren't you? Um, it's been a good start to the season. Um, to be honest with you, I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I touched upon it earlier. I think the recruitment has been the best since I can remember at Sunderland. You're Bayern Munich's feeder club, mate. Yeah, it seems that way. We've we've actually got we've got a, a strategy, we've got a plan um, that seems to be working. Um, we're buying young players that have have points to prove. We've picked up some real steals in Niall Huggins from from Leeds United, who was playing in the who played Arsenal in the Prem last year, and Dennis Serkin, who played in the Champions League for Tottenham. I don't know why or I don't know how we've managed to persuade them. I think it's Literally, just purely, you're going to be playing pretty much every week, lads. Um, we're, we're selling them a project, which is great. Um, and then we've we've bought um, signed some loans and some good. We've got some squad depth now, um, which is a massive difference. Like we've made eight what? changes tonight in the in the game, and before we would never have been able to do that. What sort of football does Lee Johnson play? Is it possession based, attacking, defensive? What sort of football? Does um, I think. It, it, Lee Johnson would like to describe it as ice hockey. He wants he invested he asked the owner to invest in the pitch so that we could play a slick brand of football. Um, I've never seen us until this season play out from the back, like at the whole centre half dropping into the penalty area, splitting, whole the midfielders now coming in. And we're doing this in like the 85th minute as well when we're two one up. The the German goalkeeper is loving it. He, they can't stop playing short. I was about to ask you because obviously as a club to come back from uh, losing in the playoff to keep momentum is probably one of the hardest things to do for a, for a football club and it sounds like you, you've keeping that momentum and probably taking it a little bit further for the start of the season yeah, yeah. I mean, look, guys, to be honest with you Lee Johnson inherited Parkinson's squad and that Parkinson squad was absolutely shite. Stiff, <laughs> old, overpaid, yeah. crap. Absolutely crap. Anyone that brings Danny Graham back as a third <laughs> and thinks that he'll do a job is just beyond me. And it says a lot now that that manager is managing in National League. Okay. And that's isn't all it? I can say about that. Managing Wrexham, isn't he? He's an oh, yeah. idiot. So I think now that Lee Johnson has got the players that he wants in, I think we're starting to see signs of it's it's promising. But at the same time, we're still very vulnerable. When I think we can kill teams off when we get too 
two goals up. I want us to go for a third. And in the last few games, Lee Johnson has been bringing a centre-half on, bringing a striker off or a midfielder off and playing five at the back and we're just holding on. And I don't think that suits us. Um, no, I don't think any club is safe at 2-0. No. Then, we, mate, we were 2-0 up on the weekend to... Um, oh, who did we even play? Fleetwood. And... Um, Jerry Bartman's Fleetwood. Uh, <laughs> no, what, mate, what? Simon Grayson's Fleetwood. Yeah, you can so another ex Sunderland manager. Um, and we were two up, absolutely cruising. He made them changes and they went route one and two mistakes. One was a penalty in the 90 plus seventh minute and you, you lose two points, which is massive. You can have them, aren't you? It just depends how you bounce back from this season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got, obviously we're playing Wigan tonight um, and then we've got, who have we got on the weekend? Uh, Bolton, I think, at home, who are actually having quite a good time of, of it down in League One at the moment, but I think ultimately, I think the the chairman has been phenomenal. Um, the recruitment that he's brought in, in terms of the actual staff itself, there seems to be a plan and a strategy around Sunderland which I've never seen before. And yeah, it's it's encouraging start to the season. Um, we've already started recruiting for January. Lee Johnson has already said we've already got targets. Um, so it's, there's no panic buying anymore no like stupid wages being thrown about um, it's just refreshing it's weird actually that I'm saying this about Sunderland because we're normally the one <laughs> do, you, do you know what this is actually such a sad moment for me because anyone that's known us for a few years at university used to be oh mate we just signed Jesse Lingard yeah. like all this. Yeah. and then you were like you know, you were like, oh, we're being run so badly, blah, blah. And it's literally yeah. just absolutely wrong. With us. But it's at least good. something stay consistent and Bradford is still shite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It all looked good for those first two games as well. <laughs> I mean, I was going to just say, I just had a flick, a quick, quick look at the league. Uh, yeah. You're, t- you're 10th. Something like that, mate. Yeah, we, we started so well. I was I was joking around saying we were going to romp it. Um, we've just been done 3-0 as well by Man United's 21s. Is <laughs> um, is bad. To, the thing is, right? We've had we've had the most shots in the league, so that that kind of says something. But we just not got anyone to to stick it away, or you know, it's just it's just a shame. I mean, Derek Adam. Did, did you sign that lad up top, Johnny? Who's like gold machine? Andy, Andy Cook signed, yeah, and he's a he's a good player. To be fair, I, I rate him, but. I just feel like the system that we play just doesn't give him enough support because first three games we had Liangol playing. Um, and I'm not saying Liangol's the best player in the league or whatever, but he, he gave a lot of support to Andy Cook and, you know, dragged centre-halves away and, you know, Andy Cook would flick it on and he'd be on the second ball and things like that. And now it's like the ball will go up to Cook and he's not got that many around him that, is, that were as close as what Angol was. And it just feels like now Angol's injured he's kind of changed the system a little bit. And and yeah, I mean, he's playing Gareth Evans in the middle of the park, which, I mean, that came right out of the blue. I don't think anyone would have expected that. You know, you've got Jan Sommer. Gareth, he's basically got his experience. Yeah, came from Portsmouth and, you know, he used to be a, used to be a winger. He's played a little bit midfield and he's getting on. I mean, he played for us last year and he was one of our worst players last year. And he's now getting starts and... The reason why he's getting starts is because he runs a lot and he, he runs in behind, but he doesn't actually, he doesn't do much. And, you know, you've got people like Jan Songo sitting on the bench and it doesn't sound like he's had a great game tonight, but he's probably not fixed. He's not getting games. And you've got one of our better players uh, in Levi Sutton from last year. He's not getting games and, and uh, you know, he's probably the fittest lad that we've got at the club. Um, you know, covers every blade of grass, but no, you've got Evans and, and Watt in the middle. Um and yeah, it just I, I just hope we can turn it around because you know the, the defense that we've got is solid, but it's just we can't we can't finish at the minute. I don't mm. I can't really put my finger on it, but I'm surprised you know, with Theo Robinson up front, an absolute gold machine. I'll be honest, I'm not I'm not really caught up properly with Bradford's Bradford's yeah, I know I've followed Sunderland more at the minute, but I had no idea if Theo Robinson had signed for him. 
fuck this. I don't want to, I can't be doing <laughs> I can't be doing this much longer. It's, it's just that, right, that's it. That, 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 yeah. Switching it is top pocket. <laughs> <laughs> In one week he's gonna be like, right, that's it. I'm fed up, I'm dishing twelve out this week. He will though, that's the thing. Mike Dean can't help himself. And celebrate it. <laughs> oh dear. Um Johnny, what was it else you wanted to be on the agenda today, mate? Oh, we've got a nice little nice little thing to break up the podcast. Um I'm calling it underrated, overrated. I might have stolen it from a from another podcast, but it's back on hand now. <laughs> Did they follow you and will they find out? No, they won't find out. Well, you never know, we'll we'll see. But we're that kicking it off, Max. So the aim of the game, you tell me whether you think they're overrated or underrated. Ooh. I'm going to kick off with some managers. All right. So first one, Gareth Southgate. I'll go first. Overrated. Yeah, like <laughs> that. Overrated. How's that? Massively overrated. Because he's got a generational talent in his squad, and yet he still insists oh. on playing in a defensive shape. Although he did obviously did a good job at the Euro and. I had a great time. Not, yeah, but you're not allowed to play for England unless you're in a top four club. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think the thing for me, like you said, Witto, we've got a generational talent and Calvin Phillips did himself an absolute wonders in the Euros where you've got now Calvin Phillips and Rice and they are Southgate's two first names on the team sheet. And you've got I Jude think, Bellingham, sadly. Yeah. You've got Jude Bellingham who is just... He's quickly becoming world-class, isn't he? Every time you watch him, he's just getting better and better. And yeah. why couldn't he play in one of them positions? Because he's box to box. Yeah. Like yeah. For, me, than, for me, he's better than Mason Mount. Oh, that's a big shout. He said that for a nibble. Don't don't genuinely. I I don't mind Mason Mount. I think he's all right. But I don't think I I in fact we'll bring him in. Underrated or overrated. <laughs> Hang on a sec, let me just stay Can in your lane, Johnny. Can he just be what he is? Don't get, don't get commenting on, on quality. I, I don't want Johnny so commenting good. on Mason Mount versus Jude Bellingham. Stay in your lane, Theo Robinson, Andy Kirk, Pinedo, <laughs> whatever else you've got. Spags uh, <laughs> listening to this going, God, do Mount versus Bellingham. <laughs> Mason, do you say Mason Mount under over? I would go. I, Am I allowed? To, I mean, this is a really boring neutral answer, but am I allowed to say like I think he's perceived as good as he is now as an England star? He's yeah, yeah. Chelsea. I think he's bang where he needs to be. And as a former, you know, he used to play for my club. I'm proud of him. I think it's quality, lad. I, I think I he's think underrated in a lot of ways. Like if you actually watch him, he's got what such a nice first touch. Yeah. His set piece is incredible. Um. He's playing in a great team at Chelsea. And I think Tuchel, I think every manager that goes to Chelsea is obviously realising how good he is. Because mm-hmm. you had Lampard there that started him and obviously had him at Derby. And then you have Thomas Tuchel come in. And I think the first few games, he wasn't really getting too much of a look in. And then he started and it was just like, after that, he was yeah. undroppable. Mm-hmm. He's like a nice lad as well, doesn't he? He's the sort of lad you want to go for a beer with. <laughs> I think like people are expecting him. Well, we're expecting him to be a prominent goal scorer. When actually, he's more of a dictator. Like he can help change the tempo of the game like that. Yeah. You know, and he might not be goal scorer or necessarily get all the assists, but he's involved in pretty much all the all the build up plays where the goal, where the goals goals come from. And I like to go like neutral on that one. Yeah, I like him. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, What's next? What well, you got next with Jay Bone? Is it going to be someone in the lower leagues that I can't comment on? <laughs> no, no. I'm going to go with one more manager, and then I'm moving on to pundits. So, uh, oh, the, nice. <laughs> the last manager to, to like something completely random as well. Dinners. Oh yeah, hot dogs. Ah, that could be overrated. Campbell's fuming. <laughs> Uh, God, right. so, David Moyes. Oh, wow. Overrated. Overrated. Campbell's going overrated. I'm going to join Campbell on overrated based on the fact I think he's at a club at the moment where it's all just fit into place for him in terms of he's got... You know, with Everton, he made a career on the fact that, like, he was just Mr. Everton, wasn't he? And everything, you know, he was the club. And, like, I feel like that's now quickly happening at West Ham. And I actually give him a lot of credit for 
for what he's doing in West Ham. I think it's unbelievable. You know, they went away in the Europe, Europe in their first um, Europa League game, didn't they? And got a result away. And like, well, yeah, you look at their team and, you know, they've got Antonio starting up top. Like, who would have thought that would be, you know, a thing like, it would, the guy would like be leading the club like that far up. So, yeah, I think he's doing a good job, but I'd say he's overrated. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I think, uh, tough to call, it depends what we're rating him as. I think he's a top seven manager. I mean, he was numerous times at Everton. Um, wow. Last season proved it, Campbell. So, this season, they'll finish in the top six, seven easily. So, what do you reckon? Do you reckon he's underrated? You can argue it. I'm, I'm not, not, not going to argue that he's finished in the top seven. I just think anyone that like any Sunderland fan that is listening to this or has any sort of affiliation to the club, you, David Moyes is up there with the most catastrophic appointments that we ever had. Mm. I think, Gaz, I'll answer your question for you. On the basis that you think he's a top seven manager, I'd say you think he's underrated. Because yeah. I don't think many would agree with you on that. I'll go with underrated then. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. Yeah. Oh, what you got next for his job? All right, we'll move on. We'll move on to pundits, all right? And we're going to go straight in with Michael Richards. Is he underrated or overrated? Oh, he's banter, isn't he? I, I enjoy watching him. Him and Roy Keane as a partnership. Wow. I, I actually would... It's brilliant. Um, I would say my, Michael Richards... I think perhaps he gets away with his... Like, because he's funny and I like watching him. I'm not really sure, like... If like tactically is maybe as strong as some of the others, I really like Michael Richards. I think he's been an absolute breath, breath of fresh air to this Sky Sports team because I think it is getting a little bit dated with fucking Sooness and people like that. They're just they're just out of touch. But yeah. Michael Richards, in terms of comedy value, brilliant punditry. Has still got a lot to learn, I would say. Yeah. But then, if you think about it, he's what 32, 33? He should really still oh. be playing. He's he's not very old, mate. He's not yeah. very old. Yeah. He's got a lot of gigs, hasn't he? He's got BBC and Sky Sports. Yeah, right. Like, he's, he's still looking at everything as a player and not as an, an analyst. I think I think you need that though. Sometimes I just yeah, think, yeah sure. I just think he. I don't know. I don't think they ask him directly much about the games and stuff. And yeah, he just yeah. laughs and takes a piss out. <laughs> I just, I like watching him. Yeah, I do as well. I really like him, but I think he might be overrated. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, I agree with that. I like him though. That's the thing. I really like him. Overrated is a pundit. Underrated is a bloke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. I think he too. You know what? I think he suits those BT Champions League nights where they can just chat shit. Like you've got him carrying it. Yeah. All they're doing is having a laugh. When it comes out of the Sky Sports stuff and he gets down to the analysis, he's lost. Yeah. Johnny, can I just throw one in the mix that I think who I think is uh overrated? Yeah, go for it, mate. Yeah. Rio Ferdinand is a pundit. Christ, he comes out with some stuff. Let me just read you something that he said the other day that I was talking to um yeah. someone else about. <laughs> he said, talking about Wayne Rooney. As a player, sometimes you could be quite quiet. He could also be quite loud sometimes. As a manager, he's a complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what the opposite is of being sometimes loud, sometimes quiet. <laughs> hey, it sounds like, like a two say sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe chic. <laughs> oh god. We might have to we might have to get some uh, pundit quotes up for, for next episode. Oh god who um, who said it? Yeah, yeah, that's quite a good shot, actually. I'll, let's write that one down. Yeah, yeah, you can keep it, mate. Um, right, I've got one more. In fact, I've got two more, and it's not pundits. I'm moving on to something something else. It's uh, expected goals. So you see this stat come up with everything after the game, expected goals. They're expected to score 1.03 goals. Is it underrated or is it overrated? Uh, I'm going to... I'll kick it off if you like. I'd, I'm going to say it's great start on Football Manager and it gives you a really good indication of whether you boss the game or not. But in reality, I think I'm going to say it's overrated. And I think people who don't understand football hang too much on that stat. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's overrated. I think stats are great, but you can get too hooked on stats and you've actually lost what's actually going on on the pitch because um, you don't know. You might have that 1.3 expected goals per game, um, but there's so many things like, like say with uh, Mason Mount, build-up play that you don't know. But then again, you, again, that can also go back to stats on how many times have they been involved in the last four passes before the goal scored. So, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm torn. And, and I don't. I, I know. I've just absolutely. We've just both given our opinion on it. But if you were to ask me what how it's actually calculated, I'm not sure. But my understanding is that it's like the areas that you take from the pitch. In which case, like surely, if you're knocking the ball around the 18 yard box, like. But you don't actually have a shot on target when you expect a goal to go off, or is it to do more with like shots as well? I don't know, Sam. Do you know? It's supposedly to do with like, I do, but I don't know who gauges it. It's supposed to do with like the percentage of like how likely you are to score from where you are. But I don't know who gauges that. So obviously, like if you're in the six yard box and you've got a tap in and you miss it, then your XG will be high because you would expect to score that, but you've missed. It's a, yeah. it's, I don't know, it's a strange one. I, I personally don't, I don't like it. I don't want it to be included in anything. I like it on Football Manager because if I get battered, if I lose 1-0 after battering someone, I don't know, for the whole game, and my XG is 3.4, I can at least hold my head high and say, look, I had a good game today. <laughs> me, talking to Football Manager, me and Sam were saying, like, so I was saying to Sam earlier, guys, if, if um. Derby get you know relegated to you know like the lowest of low English leagues. What a football manager save that will be, by the oh, way. Wow, that would be good fun. When you've got twenty thousand watching us play Belper Town. <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting mate, you're not getting to twenty thousand by the way. You don't even get twenty thousand the champ. Honestly, the atmosphere <laughs> really the game on, on Saturday. The game on Saturday. Were you there, guys, as well? Yeah, yeah. That's the first, isn't it? Jeez. Um, but uh, I'm joking, mate. <laughs> um, no, honestly, the atmosphere is quality, wasn't it, guys? No, yeah, it was good. It was always going to be, though, to be honest. And I was saying to Johnny, actually... I if it was always going to be good, though. Like, the fans would have been quiet within their right to absolutely boycott it. Yeah, but you, know you know what I mean? don't, though, do you? Like, it's just standard that happens. Like, there's always going to be that fan base there. Like, even before this, we still had, like... 17,000, 18,000 fans and the atmosphere was still decent there because they're the fans that will want to be there week in, week out. They enjoy the game, mm. enjoy the atmosphere. And I was saying to Johnny the, the, the other week, like, piss me off, like, when you see on Twitter, like, someone tweeted saying, oh, 37 pound a ticket, team's gone into administration, sold out their way end. I was like, mate, it's in fucking Sheffield. Of course they're going to get to set it out. It's like 10 pound yeah. train. We're going to set it out. <laughs> like... I still think, guys, I still it's think... It's great, look, it's great, but we've still got a bit, like, a fairly big fan base, regardless, and we're playing shit, like, it's an away day. Everyone loves an away day. We're going to enjoy an away day more right now than we are a home game, because we've only got half a stadium full. So away game is where the atmosphere's at. Agreed. Yeah. No, I agree. My dad's going. Is he? Go on. Yeah, he's going <laughs> uncle, yeah. Um, no, and to be honest with you, like, during the game on Saturday, it was actually such a nice... It was emotional. I was like, yeah, it was emotional. And also, I was like, at the final whistle, I stood, you know, I celebrated like we'd like, I was like, God. Oh, I know, man. I was like, I was I said, um, when I was walking around the ground, I thought it means absolutely nothing. But like, it's just, it was so nice to just like forget about all the stuff off the pitch for, just, um, yeah. for 90 minutes and really get behind the team. I thought it was oh, great. You started to sound like Sprag on Twitter now. Let's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but difference is I actually go to football games whereas Sprague's not been to one, has he? He takes a year out when they're playing shit. Uh, I, I, said, I did a message on Instagram and said, you had a nice time at Peterborough on Saturday, mate. He was there for yeah. oh, Actually, we haven't been to a game in years and I think, oh, great. Lee, you know, Lee Bowie's got us playing. Come off it. Like a pub team. Birmingham like a big pub, pub team. Uh, we'll, have to have a, we'll have to have a Birmingham episode. Get him on. Oh. Yeah, for sure. I'd love can it. Do. Yeah, can do. Well, that was underrated, overrated. Man, we need to have a theme tune for it. <laughs> yeah. <Just> <laughs> <that. Okay. laughs> Welcome to underrated, overrated. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I think, I mean, I think that might be it. Do we wrap that up? Yeah. Thanks for having me, boys, as always. I tell you yeah. what, you'll have to get you'll have to get um get some of the other boys on at some point. That could be interesting. I'm sure Jake Biggs is, is itching to get on the pod. Yeah, to give oh, his yeah. considered thoughts about the gunners. Yeah. <laughs> so I think if he's our tattooing or out, it'd be interesting to Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. Oh, tattoo underrated, overrated could be a nice feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well That's what uh, that's well. Let's say next time we talk, uh Derby are in a bit of a better situation, yeah, for all of us. Yeah, let, let's hope so. But um, yeah, cheers, boys, and and thanks for listening. We'll we'll see you later. <laughs>